This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Jeff Kasouf here with the latest episode of Kicking Back, and I'm joined today by U.S. Women's National Team Head Coach Vlatko Andonovsky. Really excited to bring you this podcast. This chat with Vlatko, we talk about his coaching journey, some of the bumps along the way, and some of the big positive moments that he's had. And it's his first year on the job, coming up on a, the exact anniversary of his his one year uh, in the position, and it's a year that he could have never predicted. And like many of us affected by this COVID-19 pandemic, um, jobs have, have changed and evolved and, and looked a lot different than we probably thought they would have not long ago. So talk to him about that journey, about finally getting back into camp the first time in seven months, over seven months that the U.S. Women's National Team will even assemble for a training camp. We last saw them on the field early March at the She Believes Cup. And we talk to him, I speak with him about the, the coaching journey along the way, which, you know, I think is really incredible to hear for any of you coaches out there, but even just fans and, and anybody in their field right now of, you know, Vlako Anonofsky, seven years ago, Getting the FC Kansas City job, an unknown club. He was an unknown coach in the professional world, and lots of questions around that at the time. And pretty quickly, it was evident that he knew what he was talking about. He did his homework, he set his goals, and I would say relatively quickly has gone from an unknown to uh, the top of the international women's soccer coaching world, the two time defending World Cup champs, United States number one team in the world. So, really excited to bring you this podcast we get into some cool detail some personal stories and i think a really good snapshot of uh, vladko andonofsky uh, the person and the coach so please go ahead and rate and review this podcast subscribe so you don't miss any we've got a lot of cool ones coming and you're not going to want to miss them so give us those five stars it helps other people discover this podcast and access these incredible stories so Vlako Andonofsky here on the latest episode of the Kickin' Back podcast. Enjoy. Jeff Kasouf here on the latest episode of Kickin' Back. Uh, really excited to bring you this special episode with U.S. Women's National Team head coach Vlatko Andonofsky. Vlatko, thanks for joining me. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. Yeah, appreciate you coming on and... Um, you know, we've we've got the news of the hour, I guess. We've got another U.S. national team camp, first one in, in over seven months at this point. Um, you know, I'm just curious how you've dealt with this year. How have you adapted? I mean, you're coming up during this camp will be the one-year mark to the day since your hiring, uh, I guess, was reported, maybe not announced. But, you know, one year on the job, and it can't be the year that you ever could have predicted, right? I mean, who could have predicted a year like this? Uh it's uh, it's been crazy it's been strange uh, but uh in sa- in same time uh we all found found a way uh different ways to uh, to get through this and uh and uh, l- and use this opportunity to to get to get better in different ways 
Yeah, I imagine like the best laid plans right now, this international break probably would have been, uh, you know, a few more games on the gold medal victory tour would have been the hope, right? So, um, <laughs> that was a goal. <laughs> um, well, you know, first camp in, in over seven months, obviously these are, you know, world-class players. They've, many of them anyway, have played together a bit of a, a hybrid kind of roster with the circumstances going on. But, um, you know, where do you start? from from having this kind of a year do you is it like a preseason getting to know you type of thing do you dive right back in the tactics you press paused on seven months ago it's a, it's a combination of uh, everything so first and foremost we all want to get everyone back, get everyone get everyone back and uh, create a uh, create a good safe and a healthy environment and uh, then uh, one step one step at a time, we're gonna we're gonna use uh, this camp to evaluate some players, to uh, analyze some players, and give uh, and uh, help them uh, help them out with the with their development. And uh, in same time, uh, we're gonna use uh, use this uh, opportunity to get physically and tactically prepared for the next step. And I think we saw, I mean, certainly um, a good mix of players, four college players, and and a bunch of. Um, uncapped or, or returning players, you know, players who haven't been in the mix. Um, it, it seems like, you know, I guess this naturally makes sense because, I mean, we'll talk about your journey a little bit, but, you know, seven years in, in the NWSL coaching that you would obviously value league play and there wasn't a lot of it, but it seems like, you know, league play was rewarded this year in some of these call-ups. Yes, uh, absolutely. We have uh, three groups uh, of players or what we classify as three groups of players. The first group is uh, the one that uh, it's a group of players that have been in the national team camp that, that have uh, lots of caps. I mean, we, you know, some of them are over hundreds or uh, hundreds of caps. Uh, and then the, the, the second group of players is the players that perform well in NWSL, uh, NWSL uh, Challenge Cup and the NWSL Fall Series. And some of them even uh, consistently performing well in the NWSL over the years. And the third group of player uh, of players is uh, the one that uh, have done well for our youth national teams, uh, whether it's under 23 or under 20. What's the communication process been like for you this year? I know you're, um, you, you know, you are a big film guy. I know we're, we're joking about it a lot, but you're watching it, you know, nonstop. Maybe there weren't quite as many games. I don't know if you dug into the archives more this year, but um, – you know, were, were you trading clips with players? How were you kind of keeping in touch and keeping maybe, you know, invaluable touch with, you know, talking things you want to see or feedback? Yeah, so there were so many things that uh, we were able to do and uh, we were doing things that probably some uh, sometimes we, would, we were not going to do if the pandemic pandemics didn't, uh, didn't hit. And uh, that's uh, not just with players, but also with uh, things that we did with the coaching staff. But... Um, we started with uh, the, our um, team tactical principles or the game model and how we see how we envision this team to play and uh, what would be the best version of this team uh, going forward. So we, we broke that down in uh, numerous, uh, numerous videos and we shared that with the players. It's not that we share, we present it to the players in, uh, in uh, uh, several, uh, several meetings. Then from there, we went into the positional profile. So we broke down all the positional profiles and were able to, to explain uh, to every player on the team what, uh, what the player in her position should or would look like. And that's not just the players on the, on the team. That's every player on the, uh, that, uh, that is in the pool that has uh, ever been um, 
uh, in camp since uh, January 1st, but also players that, were, that are in the pool for the under 23, under 20, and uh, under 17. And then uh, from there, um, we started going into some ind individual or specific videos for the, for the players. And then uh, the Challenge Cup hit. So that, that was when we started, uh, started evaluating players from the Challenge Cup. And um, I, uh, at some point, I don't know if I explained, with the Challenge Cup, uh, again, there were, uh, we were there to watch, obviously, evaluate players. But we were also there to analyze the players that are already on the pool. So the players that are already on the pool, they were not getting evaluated. They were more getting analyzed uh, and to, to see what is it that they're doing or not doing and how can we help them through videos, phone calls, uh, Zoom calls or, or anything so they can uh, furthermore uh, develop. And then uh, the fall series uh, and some other uh, some other um, videos. And uh, needless to say, I mean uh, we have a group of players that are playing internationally, so they uh, they opened up a little bit of work for us too, which is awesome. Yeah, I wanted to talk about the Challenge Cup briefly because it was a unique experience for you, as I understand that you know I think people don't realize. I mean, maybe it was an adjustment for you going from club to international that you only get these really small windows with players and there's not a lot of training time, even in a normal year, Never mind a pandemic year. And um, at the Challenge Cup, you basically got to almost like a, a college campus of practices that you could kind of roam around to and see, you know, what, sh what is she doing in that 5v2 drill? Is she focused on that finishing drill? Is that kind of what it looked like for you? Yeah, it was uh, it was amazing. Uh, we 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 didn't think much of the trainings going into it. We were so excited about the games because we there, there were no games for several months. So just the fact that we're going to be able to see twenty five games in one month, uh, we were we were so excited and uh, prepared. And uh, our analytic department uh, built this platform so we can uh, easily evaluate and uh, and share uh, uh, share. Um, our thoughts uh, between the between the staff, whether we're, whether we're in person or uh, remotely, and then uh, just uh, kind of organize, uh, helped us organize everything uh, and made made the whole job a little bit uh, simpler and easier. But then when we when we went there and uh, and uh, we were provided the opportunity to see the practices, I, I mean that was probably one of the most exciting months. Uh, that that we had or most exciting things that um, jobs that, that that we had is because uh, we were literally able to see sometimes up to, up to three practices a day and uh, then we would see a game uh, maybe next day or two games uh, next day so the way the practices were scheduled uh, and the way they were uh, laid out was we could uh, we uh, we could see the players, we could see the teams, but we could see the players, and because we already knew exactly where we uh, evaluating uh, every every coach that was there had a different person or a different uh, different player that was evaluating. We could go and watch that person in in training for a couple of times, and then see uh, see what was asked from her, what were the tests that she was uh, fulfilled, and how she reacted or how she prepared for the game, and how that uh, how how she was able to implement all of that on uh, on trainings. On 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 the game, so all, all of that was just an exciting process and uh, made the devaluation a little bit more detailed, a little bit deeper, and uh, hope and uh, we we hope that uh, all of that helped us uh, make the right decision. Is training a place where you can discover a player, so to speak? I mean, you you know these players in the league, but you know maybe a player who wasn't on your radar from limited game action, but you say, wow. I mean, she's incredible in training. I just haven't seen her in minutes in the game. Or is that 
I mean, that seems like maybe a big jump to get to the international level or? Yeah, the, so it is something that we, we, we see. I wouldn't say necessarily it's uh, something that we see and we say, okay, that's the person we should look at for international level. But we do we do see uh, players' um, uh, players' ability to uh, to learn and how coachable she is, how how fast she processes information from uh, from coaches uh, from training to to the field. Uh, we see the the discipline on training, the the hard work, dedication, the commitment. I mean, uh, her mentality and uh, you know her ability to work with others. So. All of those, all, all those traits uh, are something that we we were evaluating, we were looking at, we were taking notes, and uh, and then uh, obviously going to the games, we wanted to see how they translate. And one thing I want to ask you quickly too on communication. You mentioned this on uh, the the media conference call the other week. Um, you said there, there's I don't know if this is just for the pandemic here or this is kind of the setup. There, there's five layers of communication of. You said coach to coach and, and physio to physio. Is yes. So the, the way we communicate, everything starts uh, from Kate to uh, the organization's GM. Uh, so she uh, starts the uh, communication and lays down the, the, the process. And so far, we've had a great communication with every club, whether it's in uh, in U.S. or uh, uh, abroad. Uh, uh, we, we start with, uh, like I said, GM to GM and then head coach to head coach, which uh, for me, it's a little bit easier, uh, easier communication when it's in U.S. Uh, but uh, I have to say in England and uh, uh, Sweden, we, we've had a, a great uh, response from the coaches, great communication. And uh, uh, we, it seems like, uh, I mean, it's a little bit easier when we, when we all have the same thing in mind, the better the players uh, so they can help the teams. And uh, then it goes to medical staff to medical staff, uh, high performance coach to high performance coach, and then uh, an, uh, performance analysis, uh, an analytics to performance analytics. So all of those, uh, all of those departments are communicating uh, on as, as need basis. Uh, if the player has a small injury, the, the medical department is on constantly. And uh, if uh, we're preparing for a camp, the high performance uh, coaches are uh, on. Uh, as, as much as possible, they're getting the data, so we know, we know exactly what level of um, of uh, preparedness that the the players are coming in, and uh, the analytics uh, usually they come in uh, after every game with uh, videos, uh, regular videos, uh, technical videos, and individual uh, clips. That sounds meticulous, which I know I know you like to be so. Um... Well, I want to talk about your, your journey, um, and I think people are interested and, and maybe have read a little bit of it you know, in pieces, but I think it would be good to, to kind of talk about um, in, your, in your words. I'll give the kind of brief you know, uh, recap, very brief, you, I guess. You, you, can... you, know, you know it pretty well. I, mean, <laughs> I, I trust you uh, doing a, a, a brief... Uh... Well, yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess the, the one, two-sentence version, I mean, you came, you know, you grew up in... in North Macedonia, formerly Yugoslavia, came to the U.S. in 2000, you know, around the turn of the, the millennium to, to play indoor professional soccer, um, which I, we could probably do a whole podcast on the wild world of indoor soccer. Um, I've got, I know we've got, I went to school in Utica. We got a Utica team that's doing well or what, I don't know what the season looks like right now, but, um, you know, but you soon kind of go down that coaching route. Um, you're coaching, you coach indoors, um, indoor pro, you coach youth soccer. What, 
what drew you, I mean, if we can talk about the indoor craziness if you want, but, but what drew you too to the coaching side? I mean, even, even while, while I was a player, I was always one of those uh, uh, kids that was uh, annoying on, on the field. Uh, and I was always the one that wanted to organize something, that wanted to do something different. And I always had an idea how we could uh, outplay the other team. Well, you know, while the other, the other kids were like, just looking at me like, come on, just throw the ball and uh, play on. But uh, I knew that I wanted to be a coach early on in my career when I was a player. Just, uh, it was just fascinating to me that uh, you know, some coaches that I had would uh, come up with ideas that uh, would outsmart the other team. And so I always thought like, okay, can, can I as a player think about something and tell my, tell my teammates or you know, share with the coach? So that was, uh, uh, that's how everything started. And then uh, as I was getting towards the end of my career, that, uh, that became uh, more and more realistic. And uh, I started coaching youth soccer and from there on uh, continuing, uh, continuing moving forward. And I imagine, I mean, when you, did you know what you're getting into when you came over to play indoor with, I mean, it's not even like, you know, you got bo- field boards and uh, like it's some people are like, that's not really soccer. I mean, it obviously is, but. No, it's, uh, it's funny because uh, the, the first time I got called, it was uh, my, uh, my buddy, Dino Delevsky, who is an indoor legend. Uh, when he first called me uh, to come, to come over and play, we, we had a conversation, so uh, I, you know, I was doing well um, back home, and uh, he, you know, he told me to come over. So I was like, kind of thinking, I'm like, oh, I'm not sure. And in the conversation, he never mentioned the the, the indoor with boards because we we don't have it back home. So at one point, he said, yeah, it's it's awesome. You're gonna love it. You know, you have the ball constantly, like as a defender, you're you're like a, a point guard. You know, so you organize everything. So you know, he knew what is gonna draw uh, draw me to come over. And then he mentioned that you know there's boards, so it's constant play. It's like, what do you hold on? Like you have boards on the field? He goes, yeah, yeah, you have boards around. But like you want me to tell everyone here that I'm gonna, I'm not gonna play soccer here anymore and i'm gonna go uh i'm gonna go uh, overseas and play soccer with boards i'm like how am i gonna explain that to my dad and my brother to start off with and, and my family and then uh and then go uh, and furthermore to everyone else but um i came in off season uh it was an off season for us uh, in for the macedonian league and came here and i just absolutely loved it i, I loved the, the the game loved the uh, love, love uh, everything about it. Love the lifestyle, and I was like, okay, this is where I see myself uh, for the future. Yeah. So, so eventually, or for a significant amount of time there, Kansas City, you're in, you know, with the Comets, and then shifting into that that coaching role. And I'm abbreviating a little bit to get, I guess, to the FC Kansas City part, which is, you know, the start of the NWSL 2013 kickoff. You know, I, I know that you know this, and I, I'm not saying anything new or, or you know Kansas City was announced as one of the teams and everybody was kind of like you know who is that because there were some former WPS teams um, and then I know you know and probably took it maybe as a chip on the shoulder you know you were new to the the women's side the you know maybe the pro coaching ranks to some degree outdoors I guess and you know everybody kind of was like what is Kansas City who is this right and and I don't know if that drove you a little bit but I, I think the um yeah, I, I remember that. <laughs> no, I do. I, I do remember that because uh, first, uh, I, I was a little bit uh, 
kind of mad. It's like, oh, you know, look at all the, you know, what, what are people saying? But then I, I had Hugh Williams uh, um, with me, who has been a great mentor to me throughout the years. And uh, he sat down with me and said, okay, let's be realistic. Who are you? Like, why are you getting mad? Like, you, you shouldn't be mad. Like, who are you? What have you done? Like, you, you, ha you, haven't, you haven't done anything. Until you prove it, you're nobody. So get your butt to work, okay? You have, work, you have some work to do. I mean, that, that was exactly how it happened. And, you know, it made me think, like, you know what? He's right. Who am I? But uh, that's the that's mentality that I, that I went into with, uh, okay, I understand and I accept it. I'm nobody, but thank you for the opportunity uh, so I can prove everyone what I can do. I mean, that, that, was the, that was the mentality. That was the mindset that I went into. And you had a little bit of that. Um, I mean, you needed that preparation because, you know, you had to do some of that convincing, I guess, on, on getting that job. It was, you know, a, a big sort of a presentation, I guess, right. To, to kind of convince them that you were ready for, you know, this, this new leap. Yes. I mean, uh, the presentation was uh, very thorough and uh, it was an interesting uh, presentation. I mean, and, and, I didn't know that much about uh, women's soccer at the, at the time. So for me, it was uh, interesting because uh, uh, it was fun. It was different. And, and I got to know the game and I got to know the, the teams, the, the, the landscape of, uh, of women's soccer around the world. Uh, so it was, uh, it was very detailed, very thorough, fun and exciting. And it was an exciting moment just presenting it. And uh, I, I, went, uh, I went into with the mindset that, I'm going to get get better out of this uh, out of this interview. So if I get the job, that's great, but if not, I'm going to learn everything about women's soccer. So for me it was just a learning opportunity. Yeah, I think it's a great kind of point just to like really emphasize that, you know, that's basically December 2012, late 2012 and and you're you know, basically coming in blind on on women's pro soccer, I guess, as you said, and, and eight years later, well, nine years or seven, sorry, you know, by the time you get the job, you're, you're the coach of the U S national team, two time defending world cup champs and, and, you know, top team in the world and no pressure. Uh, but you know, <laughs> that's a, that's a steep, you know, climb in, in a short amount of time, which I, I don't know how much you reflect, but I mean, it's, it's pretty incredible from the outside. Yeah, I mean, I'm uh, I'm very thankful for uh, for the whole uh, journey and thankful for uh, to the, for the people that I've been blessed to to work with uh, players, some great players, some great names, uh, people that have helped me along the way, uh, some great staff members, uh, whether it was Kansas City or Seattle, even now on the on the national team, uh, climbing that uh, um, climbing the mountain or that that journey. Uh, it's not easy and it's not possible to do it by yourself. It's just, it's just, it's just impossible to do it by yourself. You need, a, you need a group of people to, to surround yourself with that, uh, they're, that are going to uh, push you, they're going to help you, uh, they're going to carry you at times. And uh, you need a group of people uh, that, uh, that uh, believe or will trust uh, the whole process and the whole journey. And uh, I'm just thankful for all the people that were with me along the way. Yeah, I mean, early success there in, in Kansas City, um, FC Kansas City, I'd say 2013, that first year, you know, had a, a very distinct style right away. And then 2014, 2015, uh, you, you win back-to-back -back championships, NWSL championships. 
Um, and, and both of those years, particularly 14, where, you know, Seattle, who you'd go on to coach later, was, you know, a bit of a barnstorming team, 16 games unbeaten uh, run, and, you know, to start off that season and uh, met them in both finals. I'm wondering, you know, are there, are there moments along the way, not just those years, but maybe those, those early seasons um, that, that you're kind of most proud of, anything tactically even that you say? You know, that was a, a big moment for me, even if it doesn't stand out on the score sheet. Yeah, I mean, there, there are a few moments that definitely defined uh, uh, my, my career or helped me along the, along the way. And I, I'll say that the first one is, uh, even though it's a memory that I want to forget, uh, maybe it, it's something that I know that it helped me so much. Uh, and I always say, if we won that game, we were not going to win 2014 and 15. And that was the game uh, semifinal against Portland at home. And uh, we were up 2-0, lost the game 3-2. And uh, I was so disappointed. I mean, uh, I can't tell you how disappointed I was that uh, to the point where I, I mean, I promised myself uh, that I'm going to watch every game that we played and find what is it that we can get better from every game going into 2014. And uh, furthermore, I mean, you know, we went into 2015. But that was the game that uh, actually allowed me to, to dig a little bit deeper in the game, dig a little bit deeper into the team to see how can we win this? What can we do to win? What are we, what are we missing? Where we, where we are, uh, where we are off and what are the little things that we can get better at, uh, to, to get over the line. And, uh, the 2014, we started with a meeting, uh, uh, with the first meeting that, and, and I told them, uh, I told the team, uh, there were the, the things that we were missing, obviously were from different natures, but, uh, Part of it was my mistakes. There were things that I didn't see that I didn't that I could have done better. So I went into the meeting and I said, "2013 is on me," and uh, and I apologize for that, but I'm not gonna let that happen. I promise you that uh, in 2014 that will not happen, and we're gonna win this thing. And uh, obviously, there were so many things that we had to do, and the players did that uh, that uh, just helped us win and 2015 the same way but uh, I, I think that was one moment that kind of defined or uh, defined uh, my, my future in NWSL and then uh, winning 2014 I think that was uh, uh, that was a very good tactical game uh, I, I can see you know from uh, from my standpoint and we almost played the same game uh, in training several times. Like, this is how the game is going to go moment by moment, minute by minute. Uh, obviously, we were playing it or uh, or rehearsing it uh, and in a way that we can win the game. We knew what is going to be the first uh, 20 minutes. We knew the, what is going to be 20 to 30 minutes, 30 to 45 minutes, 40 to 45 minutes. Like, we, we were expecting it. We were even expecting what is going to happen the, the last... Uh, uh, last 15 minutes, not to that uh, extent, because I mean we were, uh, you know, we were uh, uh, on the on the line the the last few moments of the game. I don't know how we survived. We knew it's gonna be crazy, but not that crazy. But uh, still, uh, those are you know few games that uh, that were very interesting that I will always uh, always remember. Yeah, no, that that 2014 final, an incredible moment. I think with uh, if you, if you haven't seen it google a couple of quick highlights of the the lauren holiday still lauren cheney at that point i think lauren yeah. cheney uh spin turn to to beat 
three defenders as she kind of shimmied around them and find Amy Rodriguez um, for, you know, one of the... Yeah, they, were, think, they were incredible. I mean, you know, so the, the moment of magic that those two had was just unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think, uh, you know, I think a lot of coaches listen to this too. I'm, I'm glad you brought up um, 2013 and that, that semifinal against the Thorns is kind of a an improvement point. Because I want to ask you, you know, it's, as much as we're talking about this sort of steep climb to, to this place, it obviously didn't come without, you know, learning points and, and miniature setbacks of sorts. And you, you mentioned that 2013 final. I was trying to dig out uh, not the bad stuff, but just stuff that, you know, stood out. And I keep remembering 2014, there was that game, which I think I remember you just saying, I'm curious what your mindset was. You guys went to Portland and lost 7-1 in, in Providence Park you know, only a couple months before you won that first championship, I think you might've went close to unbeaten from there or, or um, yeah. you know, but, but seven, one, I mean, that's a, you know, a rivalry of sorts that was developing because of that semifinal. And I, I yeah. kind of recall you just saying, let's wash our hands, you know, we're moving on. And, and you did. Yes. So uh, the mindset was obviously we lost seven, one. So now I have two choices. I can go in uh, in the locker room and yell and scream and uh, the players get down even more. Or I go and say, listen, don't worry. This is not who we are. This is not, the, the, this is not the reflection of us as a team. Let's move on. Forget about this game. We have a next game to play. Obviously, I, I didn't go with that mindset. I went back in the room. I was like, why did we lose 7-1? How did it happen? What did we do wrong? What did you go wrong, right? So then, I, you know, I started analyzing because I knew that one point, if we get in the playoff, Portland is going to be there. So whether it's semifinal or final, we're going to have to meet them. And the 7-1 game is going to be the starting point for me preparing for Portland. And uh, again, we go into semifinal, Portland, and uh, we were able to uh, we were able to beat them to zero. So, yeah, it is, uh, it is an interesting moment, uh, and I do remember that. Uh, there, I mean, there, there's so many other moments uh, with Portland that I remember. But um, it, is, uh, it, it was a moment, uh, another moment that, I, that was a negative uh, when you look from the side, but I took it as positive. It, it, for me, it was a, another learning opportunity. You know, throughout the, the, throughout the journey, I was trying to get better as much as possible. And uh, I, was just, I wasn't just looking at the winning and losing and, and, uh, and the results. And if we did, if we did bad, it's because, uh, oh, we, we, we just didn't have a good day. Or if we did good, it's like, oh, we were so good. It was, every, every game was a different learning opportunity. Why did we do so good and why, why we were as, as bad? Or why, would, why did we lose the game? So uh, that's, that's how I approached the, 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 that game. And that, that's how I, I guess I approached my whole career. Yeah, and, and each season was kind of different, I imagine. I mean, you had those those early successes. You know, we get toward um, 2017, I think, maybe, you know, I, I don't know what the word you might use would be, but, you know, from the outside, a challenging season, I guess, in terms of, of resources in, in Kansas City and obviously the team folding in the offseason, which I'm sure, um, you know, was was a personal hurt for you. I mean, you're a Kansas City, you know, adopted Kansas City native, you know, everything, Chiefs, everything, right? You're... <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you, you know, Kansas. Uh, I guess Kansas City is always going to have a special place in my heart. Uh, you know, from uh, from the I guess uh, from the moment uh, 
I started until the moment I left. Uh, you know, there were so many good memories. And before I go move on, there is another moment that is very interesting that I think that uh, uh, I don't know if I shared with you, but uh, I, I think it's very interesting. Is uh, right after the 2014 season, and uh, we went uh, and celebrated with uh, with the team. I don't know if you, if you heard that, but uh, yeah, yeah, we were we were around the corner at the hotel. I, I had Becky Sauerbrunn on earlier this year in the pod, and she said it was. I was trying to remember. She said Buffalo Wild Wings. It was. Yeah, that is right. <laughs> yeah, so we were, we were sitting in Buffalo Wild Wings, and we had about uh, twenty fans there. It was the team, and the team half of the team was not even there because they all you know they, they were on the plane uh, already going back to the their homes. So we're sitting there, and uh, I was on the on the table with Hugh Williams, and at that point was uh, Jill and Don. So we're we're sitting and just talking about the game and talking about different things, and right in the middle of the conversation, and I don't even know why why and how that happened. I turned towards Hugh and I said, "Hugh, we need to get hail." And he looked at me and was like, "What what 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 is going on? Like, what what are, what are you thinking?" I said, "If." If you want us to win 2015, we need to get hail. Like, we need hail to win 2015. And uh, he's like, can we just enjoy this, uh, enjoy this win for a little bit and we can talk about it some other time? And I'm like, okay, I, I just thought about it. Okay, think. So this, this is what we need to do. We, need, we get hail, we win 2015. And uh, it was funny, but uh, two weeks later, we were able to acquire uh, Hale and we went on to win the, the 2015. And, you know, Hale had an unbelievable year and uh, had the, you know, assist for the goal in the final. So I thought that was, a, that was another moment that uh, I felt like uh, was a deciding moment or, you know, moment that I, I will never forget uh, and uh, changed, uh, I guess, the, the path of Kansas City and my, my career path. But... Uh, Again, going back, Kansas City. I will, you know, I love them. Love everything about uh, the, the team. Love everything about the city. So, yeah. Heyo, Heather O'Reilly with the uh, the championship assist in 2015, and, and added to her uh, extensive trophy shelf uh, in the NBSL title. So, um, well, I think that leads me to to something. You know that you know you've been able to to call your shots. I mean, this is you know a bit of a trend. I'd say you know you you. I think you've reminded us very uh, humbly that, you know, back in the day, 2013 or so, you told us, uh, us being, I guess, media, but just people in, in general, Becky Sauerbrunn's the best defender in the world is going to be Lauren Holiday, Lauren Cheney's going to be the best player in the world. Um, and, and, you know, I think certainly they made their arguments. I think Becky in, in that stretch, you know, for a while, certainly on the, on the defensive side and, and Cheney, I think probably could have played another several years, you know, and, and been at that peak of the career. Um, and, but, but, you know, even from that to drafts or, or finding players um, recently with uh, Bethany Balser and, um, you know, I think even in that first draft where, you know, Erica Timrak was a second round pick, I believe, and, and, you know, was playing with Lauren Chaney as if she was like her national team partner for a season at least. And, um, you know, and, and even this job, right. This was something that, even in that 2012, 2013, where you said, I'm just starting to learn this, this part of the ecosystem that, you know, one day I want to be at the top of it. Yes. I mean, uh, first, uh, I have to say the the draft uh, is uh, something that we take, uh, we take a lot of pride in and uh, we enjoy it. And, uh, 
No, for for the 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 way we we uh, enter this uh, the the draft or the way we go about the draft is there are two hundred players or about two hundred players that uh, that enter the draft with the hope that somebody is going to select them. They enter the draft and they they take the time to do uh, their videos now and highlights and. Uh, and go through the process and everything and so for me it's like the least that i can do is just go through and uh, watch uh, watch the video so we we take it very seriously we we analyze it we we analyze the players we analyze the uh their their careers and you know there's a there's a very detailed and extensive process of how we do everything uh, on the on on our staff and uh, I have to say, I mean, I, I'm very proud of uh, the selection that, that we've made. Uh, very rarely uh, we've had a selection that did not play uh, in the league. And uh, some of them uh, went on to, I mean, to start as a, as a third round pick or fourth round pick or second round pick to start and, uh, and be, uh, be starters right off the bat or be rookie of the year. You mentioned Erika Timmerman, rookie of the year. Bethany Bolzer in Seattle, rookie of the year. So uh, yes, uh, we're proud of it, and uh, you know we're happy that uh, we're able to find those players uh, that that sometimes are not the the superstars players that everybody knows. Yeah, I think I mean an ongoing challenge, obviously, to to make sure that um, the different pipelines are are kind of viewed, and and I think that's something that's been talked about before and and um you know probably is, is a conversation that'll be ongoing in terms of making sure that you know there is finding talent in, in different places but um the you know we talked a lot about film too and i, I want to make sure before we we kind of end this that um i know you're a big chess player and, and that we've talked about it a little bit before but for you that what you're doing you, whenever you have free time which i imagine is not a lot um you're playing some chess maybe or on the phone right is that that translates into the game of soccer for you i mean uh, i don't know if it does uh, i do love chess uh i do love predicting the next move uh, of opponent's next move and uh i do like uh, predicting uh, opponent's next three four five six moves uh, ahead and uh, i want to uh i want to predict what would happen if we do certain things so uh maybe that's why i love chess uh it just challenges me uh, in a different way but uh uh it may it, it may have some connection with uh, with the with the soccer game yeah well uh, i want to ask you quickly too just um we've got a delayed olympics we talked a little bit about the camp coming up at the beginning of this pod but you know just for for looking ahead a little bit you've got you know, in one way you have an extra year to prepare, right? But you also, I don't know if you lost a year, but it was a strange one at, at the very least. So um, does this delay, does it change your plans at all? Is it is it kind of the same thing? I mean, it certainly would seem to affect, you know, where players, certain players might be in their careers or who's kind of in form, who's, who's not, injuries, all of that. Uh it changes, definitely changes, but uh, it changes uh, the fact that now we have a little more time to prepare for it. Uh, absolutely, uh, we're going to dig a little deeper and uh, and go into more detail in certain things and uh, uh, get better. I mean, uh, I, I've, I've said all along, this team 
doesn't need reconstruction. This team is a World Cup champions, but they do need to evolve. They need they need to get better. And this is not me coming in and saying, okay, now uh, you need to get better. This is that that, that would be regardless. Whether if Jill stayed, I'm pretty sure she's gonna try. She was gonna try to uh, uh, better the team. Anybody anybody else that got in, into uh, into the job was gonna try to get the, get this team better because as we know. Other teams are not staying where they're at, where they're at. They're getting better too. So we gotta be ahead of the curve. We gotta be ahead of them. We gotta we we gotta set some trends. We 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 gotta be innovative and uh, we we gotta get better. So that's uh, that's what uh, that's what this year gives us. It gives a, a little more time to get more detailed uh, in the different areas uh, of the game and uh, get better at different areas of the game. But now going uh, going to um, to the back to the to the seniors and what does it mean for them? I'll tell you what. Uh, I would not count uh, those uh, senior players out. I mean, uh, we're talking about some world-class players, players that have been uh, they've been through some uh, tough times and came out and uh, came out uh, on top. Uh, some resilient and greedy players that uh, that know how to fight and they know how to how to uh, win big games and. Uh, I uh, I can tell you I believe they still have some uh, big games in in their feet. And you know, one player I want to ask you about that, that you talked about maybe extensively already on that that call that you did for for the camp announcement. But um, Katarina Macario, you know, in camp with you all, um, you know, obviously still some uh, she's got the citizenship now, which is a, a the biggest step I guess, but still a couple things to to kind of sort out and there's obviously no games right now, but maybe just in more general terms. I mean, I think anybody listening, they've heard a lot of the, the they've seen the headlines and, you know, seen some of the clips and that, but just in, in short, I mean, what is so exciting about her as a player? Right. So, so first with Katerina, you said uh, logistically, she, she you know, overcame a big hurdle and getting that, um, getting that citizenship and, uh, the, there's still a couple more a small, a smaller hurdles, uh, getting a passport, petitioning to FIFA to get approval. So uh, lo- logistically, uh, she's on her way, but not quite there yet. And uh, I'm very excited, very happy for you, for someone that has gone through the through that path uh, of getting a citizenship. I know how tiring and how exhausting sometimes the process can be, but uh, very, very happy for her to take a new chapter in her life. But uh, from the... Um, uh, from the from the game, uh, looking at uh, looking to looking at her as a as a player in the game, uh, she she's an incredible player, right? Well, you know everybody knows how uh, you know how good she is and that, that she is a special talent. But uh, again, I want I want to say that uh, international game is a little bit different than uh, playing a, a college soccer, right? We know she's great. We know that. Uh, she she has this flair that makes her different. Uh, she has this uh, uh, creativity and ability to to do some uh, some neat stuff on the field, uh, whether it's uh, assisting or scoring goals. And uh, I hope that uh, that what she has and what she she has done on uh, on the field in the college game can translate uh, on the international level. Well, uh, the the news of the hour there, I guess, and and uh, you know a year ahead with Olympics coming up, hopefully, knock on wood, cross cross our fingers uh, that it yeah. happens, um, and and hopefully, uh, I know you know some of that was made public in the the meeting that there's the hope, obviously, for a traditional 2021 calendar, I guess, a so January camp and a 
what she believes and I'm sure you're you're hoping for the same to, to get some games back soon yes absolutely I mean uh, we need games uh, I know the players uh, need games I know that uh, we as coaching staff need games so hopefully we can uh, we can get back to normal as soon as possible well Vlako uh, Ananovsky U.S. Women's National Team coach uh, I think a lot of people obviously excited to to hear your story and, and probably draw some inspiration as, as coaches out there, maybe just any field really of, of uh, you know, setting some goals and, and obviously uh, getting to the top. And now, you know, obviously I'm sure you're embracing the challenge of being there and, and keeping the team there and um, fighting those, uh, those battles at this level. So um, thanks for joining me on, on kicking back. Jeff, thank you very much for, for having me. Uh, you've been great. Uh... Uh, all along my career and uh, supporting uh, supporting me, my teams and the women's soccer in general. Very thankful for everything that uh, you and your organization are doing. Thank you. Thanks, Laka. You've been listening to Kicking Back, a podcast by The Equalizer. If you like what you heard, and we certainly hope you did, please go ahead and rate and review this pod. The more you do that, the easier it is for other people to discover this show and hear compelling stories from some of the most interesting people in women's soccer. Keep an eye out for our next episode when we kick it with our latest guest. For the ones who know that a little late is always too late and that the clock doesn't stop just because you're missing a part. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, and our KeepStock inventory management solutions help ensure you have the right stuff in the right place at exactly the right time. Visit Granger.com/keepstock to learn more. Granger for the ones who get it done.